0: In those moments where we, we stand up to, to what we know is true, um, then we make it, the biggest strides forward. listening to the maximum enthusiasm podcast the exploration of a life fully optimized with Megan Hoffman
1: Hey maximum enthusiasm podcast listeners welcome back today's episode is brought to you by champion system Custom Cycling, Running, and Triathlon Apparel. Their website is champ-sys.com. C-H-A-M-P-S-Y-S.com. Why do I love Champion System and why is it the cycling and triathlon gear that I use? Well, for starters, the chamois and the shorts are amazing. I wore my Champion System bibs for the Dirty Kanza back in June. That's right, 206 miles and about 16 hours in the saddle and I didn't have a single issue. In addition, their gear is really, really awesome. It's lightweight. Zippers are great. Seams are great. As I mentioned, the chamois is great. I love their cycling gear, but also their triathlon and their running gear. And I've worked with them for several different custom kits that I've designed. Their art department is really, really easy to work with. And their production timeframe is actually among the shortest in the industry. It's about four to six weeks from design submission until your goodies are on your doorstep. Not only that, but the folks behind Champion System are some of the people that have been with me since the beginning of my cycling career, and they are based in my home state of Nebraska. So you are in good hands if you do your business with Champion System. I can't recommend them enough. Visit their website at champ-cis.com and tell them that Megan at Maximum Enthusiasm sent you. My Maximum Enthusiasm podcast friends, welcome back. I hope this finds you having an amazing day full of happiness, sense of purpose, and of course, Maximum Enthusiasm. My guest today is Guy East. You can Google him. He has a very storied and successful cycling career, both on the road and on the track on the velodrome, which is how we came to meet many years ago. I want to say it's been probably six or seven years ago now. He told me about this new organization he'd started called Hope Sports, and it was at the time really focused on professional athletes and athletes who were retiring or who had been injured and had to leave their sport prematurely. And the whole concept was to give them a sense of purpose outside of their athletic performance. And he and I exchanged emails for several years trying to get it to the point where I could uh, commit to going on a trip with Hope Sports down to Rosarito, Mexico to build a home. And I finally made it happen last year, December of 2017. And the trip absolutely changed my life. Um, it was just an amazing experience from start to finish, both in terms of the people I met on the trip, which included several Olympians, uh, athletes from the swimming and water polo background, Um you know, average people like myself who just have day jobs and wanted to contribute and be involved in something giving back. And then um there was this family that we served and that we built a home for and over the course of the trip it changed me. I'm I'm forever changed because of that experience. I came home, I came back to my house and my possessions and I reevaluated everything. And it had a lot to do with the two thousand eighteen goals that I set for myself and one of them was to build a home Uh, with $10,000, which is the expense to build the actual house. So we have contributed $10,000 to Hope Sports this year. We are sponsoring the house. We are going back on the build this December 27 through 30 of 2018. I'd love for you guys to join me, but let's get into the podcast, and I can't wait for you to hear what it is that Guy has to say because his journey is remarkable. There's not many folks, I think, that you will encounter who will trade in a professional athletic career for selling all their possessions and pursuing, you know, unapologetically a life of purpose and meaning. And that's exactly what Guy has done. So dig in, enjoy, and let this podcast serve you in the best way possible. Thanks as always for listening. Good morning, uh, Maximum Enthusiasm podcast listeners. I'm here with Guy East, the founder of Hope Sports. Welcome to the show, Guy.
0: Thank Thank you for having me. To be here. It's
1: an absolute honor to have you. You know, you and I, our history goes way back to bike racing and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But before we go any further, I want to talk about this trip that we have coming up December 27th through the 30th in Rosarito, Mexico. We're going to be building a house or it sounds like several houses for families families in need down in that area. And if you would um, just talk a little bit about that trip and uh, we'll explain what listeners can do with the code HOTMAN if they want to join in on My House Build. So uh, tell our listeners about that trip.
0: Yeah. So uh, right after Christmas, uh, a group is going to be, uh, several, like you mentioned, several groups are going to be building a couple of homes for families in Mexico. And uh, these are trips that we host throughout the year. But this this particular trip tends to be my favorite because it's around Christmas time and we, we get to give uh, kids and the family a family a new home for Christmas. And, uh, I, I don't think there's any better way to spend the holidays than doing that. And just to, to get out with family and friends and to serve another family in, in desperate need of our help is, uh, is a really uh, a fun experience and a life-giving experience and uh, something that I've dedicated my life to. Uh, we're just grateful for your um, just uh, support and um, sponsorship of a home, and and just your involvement with us. Um, I know that you know we when we first met, we we probably talked about you coming to Mexico for three or four years before you actually made. It. We did. That's that's not uncommon. Then <laughs> um, it seems to be a a, a yearly um, experience. So. Uh, for most people, so, you know, we're really looking forward to it, and uh, there'll be you know, some professional athletes, a lot of families, um, all building a home and, and providing a home, and these homes uh, provide a 10-year economic boost to the families receiving them, so in two days, we'll be able to boost the family by, economically by 10 years.
1: And I, as you mentioned, I finally did join you on the trip last December. It was a life-changing event for me, um, not only to have the hands-on construction experience, which was really exhilarating and fun because that's not something I typically do. So I learned a lot just about basic construction, but also interacting with the family throughout the course of the time on the job site. And... Uh, quite frankly, coming home and having uh, an epiphany in my own life in terms of my own possessions, my own blessings, really it being on my heart that this was a a high priority for me in terms of 2018 goals. And so uh, this has been the year of no drinking, no shopping, 10,000 miles and $10,000 to Hope Sports. And I'm so excited that we were able to uh, provide that $10,000, which will fund the actual cost of the house. And so normally the cost of the trip is the room and board for the participant, as well as the materials for the house, right? Correct,
0: yeah.
1: And so this year we were able to fund the cost of the house, which means that members who join us on my house build trip uh, get a reduced uh, entry fee essentially so that they can just focus on the room and board costs. And so we'll be posting some of that information on my website and there's a special code that folks can uh, enter at the the checkout on your website if they wanna join in on my house. But it sounds like you've got at least probably three houses that are taking shape, which is so exciting.
0: Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be two and, and, and potentially three. Um, and so, as I mentioned, lots of families and, and, and professional athletes. And uh, in, in conjunction with the, the service project, uh, we, we try to get athletes and, and the people to think about living a life of purpose um, so that these trips are, are not just a one-off experience, uh, but that it really becomes a transformational experience for the rest of their life as much as a transformational experience for the families that are receiving the homes. So so we'll talk about that over the course of the trip and um, you know I, I really think what we've seen is that they are um, they are catalytic, ca- catalytic experiences and we like to call them gateway drugs uh, into service and, and missions and, and just um, you know giving back, uh, oftentimes this is the first time that people have ever served such an extreme capacity where they're giving up a weekend when they're, you know, raising money and they're, and they're taking such a huge effort to do this. And then when they do it, it's like, I'm addicted. You know, I want to do more. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool transformation that occurs in, in people's lives.
1: I certainly experienced that. I had served, um, you know, locally, but this was the first immersive volunteer experience for me. And it absolutely was transformative. It's changed everything about my life. And I'm reading a couple great books, The Blue Zones and The Blue Zones of Happiness, and they talk about the places in the world where people live the longest and also the places where people are happiest. And the theme uh, in both is service and connection to community being directly tied to longer lifespan and also higher levels of happiness in someone's life. So Um, you know, I just want to make that pitch to our listeners, if nothing else, to get involved with these trips with Hope Sports, because, yes, we are serving a family that absolutely needs our help, and that feels amazing, but you end up walking away a different human yourself as a result of the project, and and I certainly experienced that firsthand. Um, Obviously, Guy, as you can probably imagine, the number one question I get asked about these trips, and I'm sure you do too, is, um, you know, what's the itinerary, what's the agenda, and then also, is it safe? So could you speak to those issues for a couple minutes
0: yeah well, let me uh, address one other thing that people people oftentimes ask us about is you know wh- why would I go to Mexico to serve and why, why would I just serve in, in my community and why aren't you doing this in, in the United States and, um, and and as I mentioned previously our hope is that this is that experience that that ignites that uh, fire in your heart and, and we believe that it is and we've seen that and so uh, and I believe that we're all brothers and sisters, no matter what uh, race or country you live in. Uh, and so the people we need, we want to serve them. And, and um, this is just one expression of that, you know? And, and we, we work hard to serve those in our own community, uh, in Indianapolis, where I'm from, and, and, and we hope that athletes, uh, wherever they're at, family, wherever they're at, uh, ultimately get, get further engaged and entrenched in that. Um, as far as the itinerary, um, You know, we we ask people to arrive on December 27th, which is the arrival day uh, in the afternoon. Then we pick everybody up from San Diego Airport, and we drive you to to Mexico, and it's only a 45-minute drive. Uh, And when we get there, we we kind of kick things off with with an opening meeting, and then over the course of the next two days, uh, we'll be building approximately eight or nine hours a day. In the first day is is intense labor. The second day is kind of the details, the trim work, building the furniture, and uh, handing over the keys to the family. And we we mix in a little bit of fun, have some tacos and a good dinner, and uh, and wrap things up on the evening of the second build with uh, just a final discussion of, of kind of what we experienced and, and and how we'll continue this forward in the rest of our lives. And then uh, departure is on. The, uh, December 30th uh, after in the afternoon so it's a it's a quick trip but extremely high impact um, and as far as the safety goes um, yeah I mean Mexico has you know had their fair share of violence and uh, it's unfortunate but it's kept to the the, 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 the the warring cartels that are fighting for the turf the border and uh throughout the country and we have 6,000 people a year that come and build and we've never had any bad experience there's never been any uh beyond petty theft never been any issues um and and I think it's safe you know I mean I live there with uh, a three-year-old and one-year-old my wife and we've never had any bad experiences and uh the the violence pretty much keeps to itself and uh, the State Department also says the same, that there's a, there's a minor warning, but uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you use precautions and, and uh, stay in the good areas, which we are, then you'll be okay. And we stay on a very safe, guarded uh, 24-hour uh, campus security. And um, so I personally, I, I don't think that there's, there's that much risk involved with going to Mexico. Uh, unless you're going there for uh, to be wild and crazy which we're, we're definitely not
1: and i have to say i had that experience where i felt very safe you picked us up at the san diego airport on a large bus as a team and we crossed the border we went straight to our um, housing facility the campus as you mentioned is under uh, guard and i felt very safe there it's a very nice well apportioned campus with great food and great you know sleeping quarters Um, and then we were taken by van out to the job site. I felt very safe there. It's maybe a 10 minute drive or so that we had last year from the housing campus to the build site. So it's not like we're spending a bunch of time in the car either. And, um, You know, overall, I felt very safe. I had zero concerns about that aspect, and I understand we can't ever make promises. You know, things can happen anywhere. Frankly, in Iowa, uh, of all places, uh, most recently. But um, you know, really, I think that we're down there to do a good thing, and I felt that the community recognized that, and that we were very well supported. It was, it was actually fun to see local neighbors stop by for the family that we were building with and kind of hang out, and some of them actually chipped in and did some work and I, I just felt very welcome and very safe the whole time. So I can at least just share that that was my personal experience. And as you said, Guy, you're down there living with your wife and your two little kids and uh, clearly wouldn't be doing that if you felt uh, uneasy whatsoever. So, um, you know, I just always like to address that issue and tell folks, pl- you know, please don't let that be an issue that keeps you from doing the trip with us. Um so let's pivot a little bit and I and again I just want to tell our listeners again make sure you check out my website I'll have all the details about this trip logistics and cost if this is interesting to you I will say that the timing being right after Christmas holiday was was really, really wonderful. And you do drop us off back in San Diego that morning of the last day of the trip. So you end up having another day that you can spend in San Diego. um, And then I flew out that night. So it was a really nice four day trip with lots of meaning and and life changing purpose. And so on the topic of purpose, I want to talk about that because you originally started this organization to provide a, a sense of purpose to athletes, especially as they were retiring or as they were leaving their sport. Is that right? Um, and in the meantime, it's really grown to be, um, more encompassing. Obviously there are a lot of folks on the trip that aren't professional athletes and everyone is coming, seeking a way to contribute and give back. And that's obviously been a theme in your life. So I want to go back to Guy East as the professional bike racer and talk me through that transition from being a bike racer to now being a full-time servant and conduit of service for all these people that come on your trips.
0: Yeah, well, when I was a, a professional cyclist, I was all in. You know, I dedicated my life to it. I, I uh, lived my life around high performance and striving to be the best that I could, and to, to, to make to the Tour de France team and to make the Olympic team. But I, I wanted all of that. And I uh, lived my life in a way that was completely dedicated to that. And um, in two thousand and nine. I was racing on Trek Livestrong, and it was a huge honor to even be on that team, and I was also, you know, had a pretty good shot of making the Olympics in 2012 uh, in the Madison and, and points race on the track, and, uh, you know, we were staying in a beautiful five-star hotel in Mexico City during a race, and right outside the front door of the hotel was more poverty people living in, in shacks and kids playing in sewage water and I couldn't. I couldn't believe the contrast of where I was staying and what I saw outside the hotel. And you know, I, said, I, I feel like I should not be here racing my bike, living life a life of luxury. I said I feel like I should be here helping people. You know, there's it's like one of the largest cities in the world. There's almost 20 million people, and a lot of them just struggling to get by. And uh, I said. I've got a lot of accomplishments represented by trophies and and medals on my shelf at home, but they're all just sitting there collecting dust. You know, and I didn't feel like I had any purpose beyond beyond the medals and and trophies that I had. And so I um, I struggled with this decision for a very very long time because my identity had been built around cycling, and that's what everybody knew me as as a professional cyclist and. And um, I kind of liked that identity, you know. It it it, it carries some clout, and, and and you're kind of, you know, famous in a way. Um, in the circles that you walked in with the kids, you went to high school. Everybody kind of looks up to you because uh, you feel like you've accomplished something. And and so I I made the decision that I needed to to quit. To and I said I'm going to quit and I'm going to sell everything that I own. And I did that, and I started living in homeless shelters and. Eating in soup kitchens and uh, looking for purpose, and uh, I'm a Christian, and I wanted to live out my Christian faith. And, and in, in professional sport, I didn't feel like uh, I could even live out my faith because I was so focused on on performance and on winning that it was such a cutthroat job. And so I traveled around and. and you know, just served people where they are at. I would sit with people on the street for a long time with, with homeless men and, and people who had been veter- or veterans and and that just talking to them and loving on them and just spending time with them and realizing that the, the, the most effective way that I felt like I could help was not by necessarily giving them money, but just spending time with them and showing that they valuable. And through that whole process, I uh, – I felt like I was developing a sense of purpose and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I said this is what I want to live my life for and this is this is the way I want to this is who I want to be um, but but as a couple of years went on I, I also realized that I loved being there and I loved competing and I loved winning um, and I wanted to try and combine both of those things purpose and passion and uh and so i started riding my bike again and, and started uh, while i was serving the poor and, and just just was really uh all into cycling again as i was all into serving the poor and i realized that it was possible that i could live a life of service and have purpose um oh, sorry that i could that i could live a life of purpose and and pursue my passion as an athlete so it started as that, that I didn't want other professional athletes to feel like they had to quit in order to have purpose that that they could develop a sense of identity through serving and through doing other things while they're, while they're um, in the throes of their athletic career and as they're transitioning out. Uh, but oftentimes, we're, not told, we're, we're just told that unless you dedicate your life to this cause of being a professional athlete, then you're never going to make it, and... Any energy that you waste outside of being an athlete is wasted energy, and it's lost opportunity. Um, and, you know, it's 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 a very difficult environment to grow up in, and I think it's not limited to athletics at all. Um, it's, it's everywhere we go, but oftentimes, you know, there's a sense of, uh, of performance-based identity. When I win, I am worth something. When I get the college scholarship, I'm worth something. When I get the two hundred fifty thousand dollars job, I'm worth something, and when I don't, I'm not. And uh, that's a very difficult way to live. And there's a there's a better way. There's a better way to live. And uh, so that's what that's you know through service that's what we're walking people towards, understanding that um, it's we want them to do the best that they can. and and to compete with excellence, to to, to live with excellence, to leave it all on the line. But if they lose, they're not any less of a human being.
1: That's a very, very wonderful way of putting it, Guy, and you're right. It does expand beyond athletics. Of course, I run in the lawyer circles and the entrepreneur circles, and it's the same concept, you know, win or succeed or die. And it's the exact same mentality you're talking about where – If you're not all in, you're clearly not taking it seriously enough and you providing time and service outside of your profession or your entrepreneurial endeavor is considered a distraction or a less than. And it's almost like society punishes us for trying to pursue our purpose. And so I want to go back a little bit because, you know, You kind of glance over it, but it's a very significant part of your story, which is you folded up your professional cycling career and sold everything and went and lived in places that most of us would not consider desirable environments, but you truly wanted to immerse yourself in the communities that you were desiring to serve. So. If you can, talk us through a little bit about what the tension was that you were experiencing inside yourself and and how your soul and your gut were talking to you, because I think a lot of our listeners are in that space where they know that their job isn't quite right or they know that the way that their life is going right now isn't quite right and something's pulling them to make a change. And then if you can remember, what was the pivotal moment where you finally said, I'm hanging up my racing shoes, I'm selling everything, and I'm going for it?
0: Wow, that was a lot there. (laughs) That's okay. A little bit. I I, I don't know if I could I don't know if I could keep on track to that question. Well let's start
1: with what was the pivotal moment that said to you I'm gonna hang up my racing shoes, I'm gonna sell everything, and I'm gonna travel around and explore this life with the people that I wanna serve. What was that moment?
0: So the the pivotal moment was well the, the the initial moment was 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 in Mexico. And, and then after that, it was, it just got, the tension kind of built. And, and I just realized that I can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing this. You know, I, I didn't really love it. The passion was, was gone. Um, and I knew that I needed to make a change and it was a very, very challenging change to make, uh, because that was my, you know, and, and there was all these voices in my head that I was listening to and believing you're not any good why are you doing this you know you, you shouldn't be doing this uh, and then friends and, and colleagues of mine that were in sport were, were questioning what I was doing you know why are you quitting why? how can you do this you have a huge great future ahead of you and you're quitting like what are you going to do and that was a, that was a question that I know how kind of to answer what are you going to do and that was probably the most common question I got what are you going to do and I just had to be okay with saying, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And there's this expectation, I think, in society where you have to know what you're going to do and you have to know everything. And if you don't, then then you're crazy, you know? But I didn't know what I was going to do. I just told people. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. But what I'm doing right now is not what I want to do. And um, so I just did it, you know? I just... I just did it with a lot of resistance, and it was it was very internally tumultuous. You know, I I I was mulling over all these things and opinions and voices, and and I just did it. The tension came to a point where I just had to had to make a decision and do it, and it, it was not easy whatsoever. But I knew that if I kept racing, that I wasn't I wasn't doing what I was called to do. I wasn't going to be living the fullest life that I could. And so you know, with all of that struggle, I just said, I'm not going to keep doing it. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm not going to keep doing this.
1: So from that moment in Mexico where you said, whoa, this something's up, you started to really, really feel that tension in your gut or your soul nudging you. From that moment in Mexico to the time when you actually said, I'm done bike racing and you sold all your stuff, how much time transpired?
0: Probably probably close to a year and a half. So quite quite a while of of just thinking things through and dealing with things that I had to deal with and, and uh, but, but about a year and a half.
1: I mean it's obviously not an easy decision, not one that you would take lightly, so that that's a pretty, you know, logical time frame. And tell me about what the tension was in your gut and how it was evolving over that year and a half to the point where you finally said, I can't keep disregarding the nudges in my soul. I have to pursue this other life.
0: Well, a lot of it was, was just this re- revolving around, um, lack of purpose. I think, you know, it was, was, what am I doing? You know, what, what's the point of this? I felt like yeah. Like I was just racing to a line that was painted on the road and that I wasn't changing the world. I wasn't a doctor who was making people's lives better, or a teacher who was who was um, you know, teaching kids and, and changing their lives. And I just kept thinking, like, what 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 am I gonna be remembered for? You know, what, what am I living this life for? Is it just so that I can achieve great things on my bike, or is it for something greater than? And so as I was processing that, that was the tension that was building and, and just coming to the realization that I, through my decisions, could live a life that had purpose and meaning, but I'm not doing it right now. And so getting to that point uh, was, was, yeah, it was just...
1: And I love what you say about the resistance that you encountered, because as you said, our society is built around achieve, 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 whether it's chasing the almighty dollar or the promotion or the successful business. There's always this um, imaginary, you know, next goal line or this next title or achievement that, um, you know, our parents and our friends and our professional colleagues expect from us. And so what advice would you give, Guy, to someone who's sitting there listening to this saying so much about what you're saying is resonating with them? They're feeling the pull to make a change. They're feeling a pull towards their purpose. The tension is growing. They're feeling more and more a strong pull. What advice would you give people to deal with that resistance and, and to actually make that step?
0: Well, I would challenge people to think what they want to be remembered for. What do you want on your tombstone? You know, is it uh, you were a great dentist, or you, you made a million dollars, or you won the Olympics? What do you be? What do you want to be remembered for? And take actions now to realize that. You know, I'm reading a book by, or I've, I've fallen, I've fallen in love with a, an author named Jim Lore and he he encourages people to write ultimate mission what is your ultimate mission what is the ultimate goal in your life that you are and uh and that's that's where i would start and then make decisions based off of that
1: and correct me if i'm wrong but i think jim Rohr, if it's the same person is attributed uh, for having said something along the lines of if you don't like your life move you are not a tree
0: yeah I, yeah i think so i, I yeah and he's fantastic um and one of my one of my favorite books by him is powerful engagement and i would encourage anybody who's processing this uh to pick up that book and read it and uh and and just you know start start making decisions now why wait you know we're not guaranteed tomorrow but you're 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 in this moment and you can start making important powerful decisions and uh, it's not easy, and it's not uh, necessarily a short uh, process, but, but you can start, and that's where you should, that's where you should begin. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I can say this as an observer of your life, and having met you back, um, you know, through bike racing, and and now having um, been friends with you for a while, and and engaging with you on the trips, from the outside looking in, at least you seem very, very comfortable, very at peace, very much in love with your life, uh, very much swimming in your channel. I see you living a life that feels very authentic to you. Um, and I see you full of purpose. Is that a fair statement?
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, I, I I do feel full of purpose and i I love what I'm doing and you know, it's not, it's not easy, but, but I, this is, this is what I want my legacy to be, and this is the life that I want to live. Oh, yes.
1: I love that guy. I mean, there's so many people listening that I promise can't say that about their life right now, and uh, you took a very big, very drastic step, both in changing your career and selling your possessions, so what I want to focus on for the rest of this segment is, if someone were to take just small steps, what I hear you saying is, at least start adding some Um, component of service or purpose seeking to your life maybe before you make the big leap and so for example going on a trip like the one we're doing in December is a great way to do that where you don't have to quit your job you don't have to sell everything but come immerse yourself in a totally different experience for four days and just see what starts to bubble up to the surface for you Um, is there any other advice or suggestions you would make to people that want to start exploring that maybe on a part time basis
0: yeah that's I mean, service is a great way, um, and just surrounding yourself with people that love you and care about you is, is a great way to, to, to understand your identity and to develop purpose out of that. Um, spirituality is another great one. Connect with a church or, or uh, some spiritual element of your life that you're pursuing. You know, Dig deeper into that. Um, and, and I'm saying all of this, and I'm not telling people... Sell their possessions. I don't think that people should sell their possessions, you know. And do what I did. I, it was, it was great, but I, I wouldn't wish it on people, you know. There's a lot of the difficulty that goes along with that. Um, but the, the hope is that that people develop purpose in what they're currently doing, you know. That they, that you know, you can be a world changer washing dishes. You can be a world changer working at McDonald's or delivering or being a lawyer or whatever you can do it where you're at now it just requires maybe a different state of mind you know digging deeper into relationships and those around you Um, but you definitely don't have to to sell if you're always looking for the next thing you know you're never going to be you you may never find it but if if you begin to live in the moment and to realize more deeply what you're what you were created to do and you and that's a fantastic start but, but um, you know I look at like a guy like Brother Lawrence who washed the dishes but he, he was just in like the 1500s but he wrote some incredible books and, and he was just washing dishes his whole life and he was completely content. And I think that we oftentimes are continually striving and never satisfied and I think that there's something really spectacular and great about that and necessary as well. But if we can't learn to be content and satisfied with where we're at as well as the continual striving, um, then it'll always be an unhappy pursuit, you know, but, but just finding contentment in the moment and enjoying the present, you know?
1: Hmm. Those are powerful words, my friend. That's some really great advice. I love your suggestion to, find your purpose where you're at and that it doesn't always take this massive pivot in your life to go seeking. Um, But that said, I would say there are some people feeling those nudges and those pulls. And so my final question to you is how do you get, how do you get deep down into that messaging that your body and your soul are sending you? If you're feeling the tension, like maybe you're not quite where you're supposed to be, or maybe there's something missing in your life. Um, You know, we've talked about books and pursuing spirituality trying on some service in your life. Um, But how do people really get intimate with the messaging that their soul is sending them? Does it take slowing down? Does it take quiet time? Does it take surrounding yourself with people who can help you with that as opposed to people trying to, you know, discourage you from pursuing your purpose? You know, what, what would be the, the magic, the magic pill to help people really get deep with, with their inner self?
0: Well, um, You know, it probably depends person to person, but I think that there's there's moments, you know, seeking you know powerful moments in in life. You know, whether it's through serving and going to Mexico or um, going on a retreat or or stepping away. I think just finding solitude and thinking and processing and putting things aside for a few days, because you know that's hard enough. That's hard enough in itself. But doing that and beginning to to think about it, and you know, what are what are you really doing, and is this what you want to be doing? And I think it starts with a little contemplation, and and the understanding that as you realize that you're either you know, you're living out your purpose or you're not. Um, then, if you're not, then you you might need to make some difficult decisions. Now that that are gonna be met with resistance because people people I don't know, it's hard to say, but when when they when when there's people that are living out their purpose and that are making decisions that are against the grain, people don't like that.
1: It makes people uncomfortable, for sure.
0: And you know, you just gotta keep plugging along and, and who cares what people think. You know, who cares? Why does it matter what people think? I think we live most of our lives, and I live most of my life, just wanting to look good. You know, wanting to have the right answers, and I end up, you know, not being true to myself. But why? I just want to look good instead of looking bad and going against the grain. But I think it's it's um, in those moments where we we stand up to, to what we know is true um, that we make the biggest strides forward. So courage to to, and I think it takes courage, a lot of courage to to stand up to that. And so I would say, you know, have a have a have a transformational experience. You know, seek some solitude and take courage.
1: That is wonderful advice and again just watching you in your life, I'm sure not every day is perfect, but I You've always been very, very present in the conversations that we've had and the group interactions. I see you. You're always present. You're not the guy who's distracted with his face down in his phone. You're also not the guy that's frantically running around with his head cut off. Um, you're, You're very calm and you're very in the moment and very intentional. And I see you living a life intentionally, very much awake. Your days are structured in a way that you have decided for yourself as opposed to the world speaking for you and... I love what you say about courage because yes, when we do start to seek out a life of purpose, often it makes the people around us uncomfortable. So I think to that end, you've also done a great job surrounding yourself with people that are supportive of the, the purpose seeking lifestyle. Um, So, Guy, I can't thank you enough. I mean, you are truly changing lives, both for the families that you're building for, but also for all the participants that come through on your trips, myself included. My life will never be the same after that December trip last year. I'm so excited for the trip this December. I hope our listeners will join us. I want to take this moment to tell everyone to go visit your website, hopesports.org. I see that you're also doing a podcast, so I want to encourage people to check that out. And if nothing else, if they can't come on the trip, we certainly would welcome your donations for the builds that we'll be doing this December. And, uh, Guy, I want to give you the last word here. Um, what do you hope to be remembered for at your funeral?
0: I, I, want to be remembered for somebody that, that loved my family. Well, that that, that, that made a difference in, in the lives of, uh, those around me. And, um, it was just truly invested relationally, uh, and that lived out my faith as a Christian that loved God, that loved others uh, to my fullest, you know. And that's that's what I want to be rooted for. And uh, it all comes down for me to relationships, and uh, it's a constant struggle, you know, because I, I, I mean, we live in this world as we've talked about, that's um, very. And I'm continually battling with myself the, the, the balance of trying to make more money, trying to get more groups, trying to build more homes, trying to do more and more more and more, more. And the realization and understanding that, yes, that, that makes a big difference. But if it's taking away from what my purpose and ultimate mission is and, and what I want to be remembered for. Uh, and we may need to take a step back into real life and so it's uh, it comes down to, to loving those around me loving god and to living
1: them, to, 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 to. well the world is certainly a better place with you in it guys. so thanks for everything you do and thanks for being on our show today and i look forward to seeing you in december
0: yeah me too i hope we get more and more people out there Thank Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hotman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.